Good morning. Welcome to Trinity Lutheran Church. I'm Pastor Tyson Bibb, and a special warm welcome to any guests or visitors we have joining us this day. Please know you're always very welcome here at Trinity Lutheran Church, and we have come to it. It is the fourth Sunday in Advent, and so we continue rejoicing at the coming of our Lord as he comes to us in word and sacrament, and of course we look forward to his final return, his final coming again on the last day. At this time, I will direct your attention to the inside of the back cover of your hymnal and the Focused on Christ section, which is a summary of our readings this day. The coming of God in all his unveiled power at Mount Sinai was terrifying to the people of Israel. The thundering voice of the Lord puts sinners in fear of death. God, therefore, raised up a prophet like Moses, the Messiah, the Christ. God came to his people veiled in human flesh. The skies poured down the righteous one from heaven. The earth opened her womb and brought forth salvation through the Blessed Virgin Mary, the mother of our Lord. The fruit of her womb is the very Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, the one whose sandal strap John was not worthy to loose. In Jesus, we are delivered from fear and from anxiety. In him alone, we have the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. We do rejoice as we have that great peace of receiving our Lord as he comes to us in his body and his blood this day. And also then, according to his word, we are called to unity of doctrine and confession. And so therefore, if you are to receive the Lord's Supper this day, we ask that you either be a member of our congregation or another member congregation of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod as we strive to honor and obey our Lord's will and call when it comes to his supper and receiving his blessings. Our service this day is Divine Service Setting 3. As it begins on page 184, we now sing the first hymn. Stir up your power, O Lord, and come, and help us by your might, that the sins which weigh us down may be quickly lifted by your grace and mercy. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The Old Testament reading for the fourth Sunday in Advent is from Deuteronomy chapter 18. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. Just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, or see this great fire any more, lest I die. And the Lord said to me, They are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The epistle is from Philippians chapter 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the first chapter. 
This is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, No. So they said to him, Who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, Then why are you baptizing if you are neither the Christ nor Elijah nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know, even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan, where John was baptizing. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Jesse standing as an ensign before the peoples, for whom all kings are mute, to whom the nations will do homage, come quickly to deliver us. Amen. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our sermon text for this fourth Sunday in Advent is from the Gospel, John 1, verses 19 to 20. And this is the testimony of John, when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed, and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. This is our text. Well, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, Moses didn't want to do it. You see, God had a plan to save his people Israel from the hand of Egypt and from the hand of Pharaoh. And it involved Moses quite heavily, if you remember. There's only one problem, though. Moses didn't want to do it. Not in the least. Why not? Well, his biggest concern was his slowness of speech. Of course, not one to be told no. The Lord God said, Is there not Aaron your brother? I know that he can speak well. Behold, he is coming out to meet you, and when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth and his mouth and will teach you both what to do. And so then it came to pass that Aaron was the spokesman for Moses, who was the deliverer then of God's people, Israel. You see, God uses spokesmen. I mean, just look at the long line of prophets through whom he spoke his word throughout the Old Testament. Through two of these faithful prophets, Isaiah and Malachi, we learn of another prophet. You see, God would keep his word as he always does. He would raise up one like Aaron out of the tribe of Levi. And just as Aaron came out to meet Moses, God's chosen deliverer, so also then John the Baptist, born of the tribe of Levi, went out and joyfully preached concerning the Christ and baptized as God gave him the words and guidance. All of this was to prepare the way of the coming Messiah in the spirit of Elijah as had been long prophesied. John the Baptist, you see, he would be the last of the Old Testament prophets. However, just as the children of Israel could have mistakenly thought that the words came from Aaron and not from Moses, well, so also the people of Israel began to mistake John for the Messiah. 
Why? Well, it's likely because he preached about the Messiah in a way that was totally new to the people that they hadn't heard. And honestly, shouldn't surprise us that the Jewish priests and Levites from Jerusalem, they'd heard these reports about a Messiah who would come preaching and baptizing in the River Jordan. And when they came, they questioned John as to who he was and what he was doing. And that gave him an opportunity, an opportunity that he needed to confess the truth about himself and also the Messiah whose coming he was heralding. John, of course, was not the Christ, but was the voice crying out, In the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. You see, he was preparing people for the Messiah by preaching and by baptizing. However, he himself was not the Messiah whose coming he was heralding. John, he had no desire to be the deliverer. That's not who he was. He was content with his vocation as the forerunner, the spokesman for the Messiah. Honestly, pastors would do well to remember John's words. Those who are placed in positions of leadership, even religious leadership, they are easily tempted to reach out and to grab for more power and authority than rightly belongs to them. You see, the role of pastors is that of John the Baptist preaching and teaching concerning the Messiah and the deliverance that he brings in word and sacrament. That is their vocation, their calling. But in the history of the church, there have been plenty of times when pastors, well, they took more credit for their preaching and teaching than they should have, and that remains a temptation for so many today, for all of us. At the same time, you see, we have been disappointed so many times by the supposed authorities in this world that it's easy for us to become Let's just be honest with ourselves, pessimistic, cynical, and overly critical of all authority. I mean, just let's think through some examples this morning, shall we? I mean, there's doctors, right? They misdiagnose and they mistreat. And then, of course, there's that ever popular joke that, well, you know, medicine is a practice. And they just keep on practicing. Surgeons, they sometimes cause more harm than healing. Police officers, they abuse the very people they're sworn to protect, at least the bad ones. Teachers manipulate students with their viewpoints and their ideas, and as for politicians, well, we know this very well. They say whatever makes them more money or buys them more votes. CEOs, they embezzle money, they mismanage their companies, and then they shift the blame to some poor schmuck as they jet set off somewhere where the heat's not so bad. Judges, they legislate from the bench, and they pass judgments to fit their own personal bias and agenda, and religious leaders, well, they have abused their authority. Now, some were just simply incompetent, which is still no excuse, but then others, well, they've proven to be bold-faced heretics. We live in a sinful world where sinners are going to do what they're going to do. As the kids might say, it, sinners going to sin. It's who we are, and it's what we do. Dear saints, we must be careful, though. You see, the knee-jerk reaction is then to reject all authority and do whatever is right in your own eyes, and that is just as sinful as every example I just mentioned. You are not the Christ. You are not God. You are not a redeemer or a savior, and your motives, well, they are not as innocent as you may think. You are not as much a victim of other people's evil will toward you as you might think. All too often, you are simply not satisfied with being who God made you to be, nor are you content to live where God has placed you. You may, in fact, despise your God-given callings and vocations. You dream instead about the things which God has not given to you. And you would do well to think, speak, and do as John the Baptist. I am not the Christ, he said. 
I will not accept praise, honor, or glory for things that belong to God alone. I will be content in giving praise and glory to He alone who is true God. He alone who is my creator, my redeemer, and my sanctifier. I'm unworthy to stoop down and untie his sins. I have not deserved his love or mercy. I have not loved my neighbors as I should. I've acted selfishly with my God-given time, money, and possessions. And you know what? Strange as it may seem to us, well, there's relief in such a confession. I am not the Christ. You see, it's not your job to save the world or, quite frankly, even yourself. You are not responsible for justifying what God says and what God does. You are not responsible for explaining why some people believe in Christ and others do not. You see, God has taken all those responsibilities upon himself, and, well, you know, he has some pretty big shoulders. I think he can take it. He is the one who from eternity had your salvation in mind and then took sole responsibility for making it happen. He was the one who gave voice to his gospel throughout history and made sure his church survived, even when the devil, the world, and evil men tried to end her. Zechariah, if you'll remember, John the Baptist's father, he confessed this. God has visited and redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him, all our days. You see, dear Christians, take comfort in the fact that you are not responsible for your salvation. God is. Think about it. You would never have envisioned a plan of salvation that involved God becoming flesh and then dwelling among us on this earth. We would have never conceived of that. You would not have thought of a plan that involved God himself suffering and dying on a Roman cross as the ultimate sinner and criminal for your salvation and for that of the world. You would never have imagined water washing you clean of your sin, or bread and wine for that matter, being Christ's body and blood that you eat and drink for your forgiveness, life, and salvation. And yet it is. You would have never thought that God would put his word of absolution in a man's mouth in order to forgive sins. Put simply, you and I, we would have never come up with a plan like this. And honestly, there's something very freeing very satisfying in simply letting God be God and just being content to believe what he says in his holy word. You are not the Christ, but thanks be to God, there is a Christ, and his name is Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. He is the Son of God who has redeemed you from all your pride, vanity, arrogance, your selfish ambition, and your miserly, Scrooge-like thinking. He doesn't need you to be the Christ. Because he alone is the Christ. He has accomplished your salvation once and for all time, and he doesn't need you to bring peace out of chaos. That's his job. You see, Christ Jesus has overcome. Indeed, he has even conquered the world and the cosmos, and he has promised to come again for you. The same Christ has promised to protect you from the devil, the world, and even, yes, our own sinful flesh. He has promised to feed you, strengthen you, and sustain you on the way by washing your sins away in holy baptism and then feeding you the very bread of heaven, his very flesh and blood, again, for your forgiveness, life, and salvation. 
has promised always to provide you with a spokesman to preach his word at his ordaining. And dear saints, he has promised to come again in glory on the last day and to bring you safely to that place that he has gone ahead and prepared for you, even his eternal paradise. That is what John the Baptist confessed and what he did not deny. And by the grace of God, that also will be your confession until the last day when Christ returns to take you to himself. Amen. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen. May the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, watch and guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let us pray for the whole church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. Almighty and gracious Father, throughout this Advent season, we have heard that Christ has come in the flesh, that he comes to us today in word and sacrament, and that he will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. Guide us by your Holy Spirit, that we may be kept firm in your word and faith until we are received into your eternal kingdom. Lord, in your mercy. God of truth, as your servant John cried out in the wilderness, strengthen our pastors also to preach your word of truth in the wilderness of this fallen world. We give you thanks for the men you have raised up for this holy task. Bless them and their labors and continue to send workers into your vineyard that there may be a bountiful harvest. Lord, in your mercy. Heavenly Father, preserve and prosper the schools of the church that our young people may be taught to delight and treasure the word of God above all riches. Lord, in your mercy. Almighty God, you delight not in the death of the wicked. Grant to us and to all people freedom from war and disorder, strife and rebellion. Give us good government, faithful magistrates, and peace to aid the swift spread of your gospel. Renew our hearts with thanksgiving for your many blessings and grant us the wisdom to use them to fulfill your good purposes. Lord, in your mercy. God of compassion, teach us to make our requests known to you and to be anxious for nothing. Send your healing hand upon the sick and the suffering, including John and Alora Monman, Sam Falky, Ron Gibson, Bob Rash, Chuck Lichty, Erlene Lakey, Lisa Rash, Ted Phillips, and all those who are recovering from COVID, flu, or any other sickness. Guard them, O Lord, with your peace in Christ Jesus. Lord, in your mercy. Grant, Lord, that those preparing to receive the Holy Communion may rejoice in the presence of your Son, our true Emmanuel, who comes to give us a share in your divine life and forgiveness by his body and blood. Lord, in your mercy. Lover of the human race, you sent your Son into the womb of the Virgin, that he might share our nature, forgive our sin, and destroy our death. Receive our thanks for those who have departed this life in faith, especially Danny Tate, and who are now await the joyous day of his return. Lord, in your mercy. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, who is both the root of Jesse and the righteous branch from his stump. By Christ's death, you have set him up as an ensign before the peoples to draw all to yourself. By his resurrection, you have silenced the kings who stood against him and taken away the power of death. Grant that as we recall with thanksgiving his advent in the flesh, May we always confess him and remain watchful for his advent in glory at the last day. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever.
What a splendid hymn. But grace does not forsake us, however far we run. God claims us still as children through Mary's infant son. A blessed reality that we will again be celebrating very soon here in this coming week. Just a handful of announcements, actually more than a handful. It's two handfuls this week. We have quite a bit going on. Of course, immediately following the service, Sunday school and Bible study. And then at 1 p.m. today, we'll have practice for our Christmas program. And then at 7 p.m. this evening will be our Trinity Choir concert, followed by a reception in the auditorium. Uh, Monday, tomorrow at 1.30, we'll have our Esther Bible study. And then Wednesday, uh, we wrap up our midweek Advent series as we'll have supper at 5. And please note there is no midweek school because uh, Norburn schools are out on Christmas break. Then, of course, 5.45 then will be our children's Christmas program, followed then by our Advent evening prayer. And uh, then also, now, did I list this wrong, Courtney? Fitness class after, after worship this week, or is that that's right? Not this week. Okay, so strike that. Uh, not this week, but it, it will return then again shortly. And then Friday, of course, on uh, Christmas Eve at 5 p.m., we have our Christmas Eve evening prayer. Do join us for that as we uh, rejoice in the birth of our Savior. And then uh, all the more so on Saturday, December 25th, of course, Christmas at 9 a.m., our Christmas Day Divine Service. Also, see the rest of the announcements there for Christmas cards and a coffee and snack sign up if you are at all interested. The Lord bless you and keep you as you go into this most joyous week uh, of the year, rejoicing that Christ has come to us and he shall surely come again. I'll greet you at the door.